and I had a little family newspaper that I pretended to write and, and went to interview my mom and said, why are you a lawyer? And she said, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a constitutional lawyer. The difference is regular lawyers follow the laws where the constitutional lawyers make the laws. Wow. Um, so that always kind of stuck wow. with me that I have a responsibility to, to do more, uh, to help, to use your gifts, to, to help um, humanity in whatever way that you can. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Evan Carmichael believes in entrepreneurs. At 19, he built a biotech software company that he then sold. At 22, he was a venture capitalist helping to raise $500,000 to $15 million. He now runs EvanCarmichael.com, a website for entrepreneurs made popular by how he shows up on his YouTube channel with over 1.7 million subscribers. He breeds and bleeds entrepreneurship. He's obsessed aiming to help 1 billion entrepreneurs and change the world. He has set two world records, uses a stand-up desk, rides a Vespa, raises funds for Kiva, wears five-toe shoes, and created entrepreneur trading cards. He speaks globally, but Toronto is his home. Evan is a lover. Amongst the top things that he loves is being married to his wife, Nina. He adores his son. He enjoys salsa dancing, DJing, League of Legends, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Sisters, please help me in welcoming the man of impact for season three finale, paying tribute to his own mother, by sharing some of the impact she made on him by raising him right and how that impact helped him mold the man that he is today, Evan Carmichael. Welcome everyone. We have the wonderful, amazing, spectacular master of YouTube channel, Mr. Evan Carmichael, I'm your host, Kareen Mills. Evan, thank you so much for gracing us with your time today. Thanks for love, Kareen. Good to be here. 
Yes, sir. Love everything that you do. That uh, organ organization of your t top 10 is just like a, like a punch for me every day. And you know, it's, I don't what's know how your, you do it, man. What, what's your favorite one? Steve Jobs is my number one favorite. The, the original <laughs> one, volume one? Uh-huh. All right. Cool. What is Watch it. We're, we're doing a volume three, Steve Jobs. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's going up. Yeah. 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 I like that one. I'll send it to you when it's out. Yeah, it'd be great. I'm starting to see now, um, you need to put some more women in the mix. I'm starting to see Oprah there. Oh, man. We are struggling hard, <laughs> honestly. We're, we're struggling. We're struggling to get enough. Uh, it's something I've been fighting for with my team for the mm. past year and a half. Mm. Uh, every woman we do bombs. Really? Yeah. So, uh, so the ones that the ones are Oprah always does well. Mel Robbins does well. And that's it. I wonder if you can, cause my dream mother hustler guests are, uh, Jessica Alba and, um, you know, she says some cool things too. And I don't know if she would have some top 10 content that you can organize, but I do yeah. also like, um, the so we've, done, we, we've done Jessica Alba. It's already up. Okay. three Spain years ago. Father. Oh yeah. Um, Sarah yeah, we've done her. Okay. Yeah, um, she, what's her name? It's blanking. I'm blanking. Sarah, Sarah Blakely. Blakely. That's yeah. it. Yeah. We did her. Um, Women of Impact, um, Tom Ballou's wife. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she we haven't done one. her. Mm -hmm. I'm open. Like, we struggled. We, we did, we, we, we had one yesterday. We had a new one up. Um, who did we profile yesterday? I forget. Uh, like, every, every week, I want to have a new woman up, at least. Um, and also in our mashups. Uh, so like when we did advice from billionaires, we we're super limited because there's not that many women billionaires mm. compared to, yeah. and it's not just women. We're also looking for like diversity, right? Like if you do a billionaire series, it's mostly old white guys. Like, yeah, I know. We need to, like, <laughs> we need, can we, you know, it's okay. It's our time. This is the women time. So we're just starting to rise. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> I love it. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the next person like when mel robbins started doing more videos on her youtube channel i was so pumped was like yes finally like yes. A, a powerful woman thought leader like stepping up and creating lots of content Love um her. part of the problem with someone like jessica albas is not a lot of new content like she doesn't have a youtube channel or she's sharing her thoughts and interviews yes. so yes. you when when she comes out and does interviews around her the honest company there's sometimes pieces you can pull but when somebody's making content like Mel Robbins, it's like so it's such a gift. Like there's so much great stuff out there where yeah. most of the guys going like they're guys. Most of the people going daily, Grant Cardone and Gary V and, and I know David and and like all the they're all guys. Like, I know. Come on, ladies. I saw Gerard Adams. I am waiting. I want Adams. the ladies to step up. Let's go. Let's yes, go. we'll get there. Well, for now, let's talk about you. Okay. Evan Carmichael, because I always love to dive deep into some thought leaders and someone that's successful in their field to understand how you were raised, what your childhood looked like, because it's, okay. it really rarely often comes up in interviews. Okay. What do you so, want to know? We want to know how your childhood was. So my childhood was, was pretty awesome. Um, 
my parents are my greatest mentors. I have a picture of them on my wall, this giant yeah. canvas of the people who are listening on the podcast, uh, where I'm eight or nine years old and my parents uh, are just standing next to me. And that's mm. what I look at every day when I walk into my office. They taught me that I was Evan Castrilli Carmichael. I could do anything that I believe that I can. Mm. And so, you know, belief comes from them. My mother in particular was a, well, is she's still alive, is a very strong woman and um, did a lot of things that, that kind of bucked the trend, I guess, for women. Um, mm. Got into politics and, uh, you know, became uh, a, a, the chair at uh, University of Toronto, which is the most prestigious university in, in our country here in Canada and had them change it from chairman to chair uh, oh. because she was the first non man to be the the chair um so she's a definitely a big inspiration uh, a lot of my drive and hustle and desire to do good comes from uh, from her in particular my dad i got like the humbleness and niceness and he's just the nicest human you're ever going to meet and my mom is the drive and, and ambition i remember being probably about eight or nine and and i had a little family newspaper that i pretended to write and and went to interview my mom and said why are you a lawyer and she said i'm not a lawyer i'm a constitutional lawyer the difference is regular lawyers follow the laws where the constitutional lawyers make the laws wow. uh, so that always kind of stuck wow. with me that i have a responsibility to to do more uh to help to use your gifts to to help um, humanity in whatever way that you can and um, I still kind of, even though I'm, I haven't followed the same path and I've, I have two sisters, I'm in the middle. I don't do the same thing that they do or my parents did, but all of us run a path to try to have our impact made. And I think a big chunk of that is because of the way that my parents raised us. Wow. Did you go to school? I went to school. I went to, uh, I went to private school growing up. I... My my family was middle class, I guess, not just kind of in the middle of middle class, I think. Uh, my parents really uh, prided education. Um, my mom has, you know, maybe multiple PhDs, at least one PhD. And so all the money they, they earned, they poured into our education. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I remember, you know, going to high school and even... Um, in earlier than that, but especially in high school, when, when your friends start getting cars and, you know, you get a Beamer or Mercedes for your birthday at 16. And, you know, we would get picked up in our, in our Chrysler falling apart car. Wow. Um, because of, you know, based on my parents prided education above all else and uh, wanted to make sure that any money that they were making was being poured into our education. Wow. Uh, so I guess we got spoiled on the education side and, and, um, anyway, so I went to school, uh, graduated, went to university of Toronto, which is, uh, it was it just expected that we go to university because education was so important in our family. Both yeah. my sisters went, I went, um, I think I have the least amount of education. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I definitely do. Yes. Of my sisters, <laughs> maybe my family. I wonder if my dad education. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, we, but we're all learning. Uh, yeah. I, I graduated university, undergrad, bachelor of commerce and finance. I didn't drop out. I had my business while I was in university. Mm -hmm. I used university to hack my education. Mm -hmm. So all of my 
all of my coursework was around my business. So, you know, if you're doing a marketing class, make up a business, like, well, I have a business. I'll, I'll use, I'll use my company as all the case studies in, in my courses. Uh, but I left after I graduated undergrad, uh, what did I have? Bachelor of Commerce and Finance, um, major in economics. Mm. And then I just became an entrepreneur and haven't looked back where my wow. sisters both went on to higher education more than that. Um, yeah. And since then just been being an entrepreneur. Wow. So education is very important in your household. And I yeah. wonder if that comes from cultural background. Uh, I think it, I think it came from my mom coming to Canada. Mm -hmm. She came when she was young. Uh, I want to say like 11 ish. And she came because her sister had polio. And mm -hmm. at the time, the hospital in, in Toronto had the best care for polio. So it was a, it was a simple decision. We're going to leave Italy. We're going to come to Canada so that, so that our daughter can get the polio treatment that she needs. Uh, I, I don't know if my grandparents went to college, university, or how much they cared. Uh, I don't know where my mom's drive for education came from. She came, though, and, and wanted to make a name for herself and wanted to uh, not have an accent. Like, she, she spent a lot of time working on not having an accent. So she speaks fluent Italian. She speaks fluent English. Wow. Um, but speaks like a, a native. And she... All of her friends who came over, they all still speak with an Italian accent, but it was important to her to lose it uh, for whatever reason. I never asked her about that, but... But to lose uh, it, but then go right back into it when she needs to. Uh, lose the accent. She doesn't, right. she doesn't, she, she's very involved in, in her community. So she's, mm. she, she still identifies as a, you know, she's Italian Canadian. Um, she did a lot of work in the Italian community here in Canada and also back home, but she didn't want to have the accent. So when she speaks English, she sounds like she was born here. And when she speaks wow. Italian, it's, she sounds like she was born there, which she was. Um, she did a lot of education, uh, became a teacher. Uh, I don't know where her drive came from, but I know that it was just expected on us to go and get an education. Mm. Uh, I probably fought it the least, to be honest. Like both my sisters were more anti, like, do we need to go to this school? Do we need to go to that university? Um, I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. Wow. <laughs> no problem. And they ended up doing more than I did in university. So that's interesting. Um, so I, I don't know where it comes from, from my mom, why she cared so much, but, but it was definitely her, her values that influenced us to be expected to go to school. Wow. You talk about a business when you have case studies at school and projects and you use your business as a pilot for that project. What business was that? So I had a biotech software company that um, I didn't start, but I joined as an owner in. And mm. the toughest decision of my life was deciding between going to uh, typical corporate jobs that I thought I wanted and making 80 to 100K mm. starting salary at the banks that I thought I wanted to work at versus doing this startup and making 300 bucks a month. And I had a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies probably my whole life, but entrepreneurship, how old am I? I'm 38 now. Entrepreneurship wasn't a thing as much as it is now. And yes. my parents aren't, weren't entrepreneurs. So I didn't, there wasn't anybody in my family who I could model, hmm. even though I had a lot of 
entrepreneurial success with baseball cards and entrepreneur clubs and, you know, little ventures here and there. Uh, so I decided to, that was the toughest decision in my life of, of having to be, you know, not have to go and be, uh, take the job that everybody in my circle of friends wanted and instead struggle and, and make 300 bucks a month as an entrepreneur. And I made it harder on myself as well because I was too embarrassed to tell people that I wasn't making any money. I was too ashamed mm-hmm. of it. So I had to pick one thing a month that I can go and do because 20 bucks for pizza and beer was, uh, was a lot, you know, when you're making 300, 20 is a lot. So I had to pick one thing a month. And, and I, I'm sure if I told my friends, Hey guys, uh, you know, I, I don't have any money cause I'm trying to build my company. They would have understood, but instead I was, I would go, yeah, I'm living the entrepreneur lifestyle. I can't come out cause I'm just too busy grinding and hustling. Yeah. Uh, so I made it more difficult. I isolated myself mm. because I was embarrassed really is what mm. it was. Um, but ultimately ended up having success as an entrepreneur and, uh, I don't regret that path, but I could have made it easier for myself if I was a little more open in those days. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to be an entrepreneur. And I, and I so resonate with what you're saying with sometimes they glorify the fake it till you make it slogan. And it, it really is like, why fake it? You know, just be real. And in the internet nowadays, it's like being vulnerable is, is, or like the vulnerable posts are the ones that go viral. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, it really is well received by the public, but yet we have these self, um, self doubts and negative talk about our, our, our own self while we go through these massive challenge in entrepreneurship. What is your advice to someone that is 20, 21, 22 years old um, that is going to college, um, you know, sort of confused because they, they see a lot of content online and they want to be an entrepreneur and it can get confusing with all the so massive thought leaders out there to organize your thought. Yeah, I would say one, understand what your motive is going to college, university. So if you want to get a job, you kind of need to have a degree, especially mm-hmm. if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or any of the professions. You can't be a lawyer without having a law degree. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's not happening. So if that's your ambition, then great. Go to college, university. If you want to be an entrepreneur, then I see, I see college, university as a good backup plan. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't regret having gone. I don't think it was a giant waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I thought I wanted to have a job. This opportunity came. I wasn't making it, you know, making a killing at the start. I didn't know that this was for me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to regret having not finished my education in case I need to go back and get a job. And so if you're a hundred percent sure that you'll never want to work for anybody else and, and you have to be an entrepreneur and you've already started your business, then maybe it's not, I don't think, a, I, I don't think a university degree uh, carries as much value as it used to. Mm-hmm. Just like being an author of a book doesn't carry as much value as it used to. Uh, and so if you know a hundred percent that it's not your path, awesome. Then, then follow your heart and chase mm-hmm. your path. But if you're not sure, then it's a great backup plan. And then I would use my university education to hack my business. And so oh, wow. an example, uh, I didn't know I could do this until my last year. You could create your own course with a professor. So I approached one of my marketing professors and say, hey, can I make a course with you uh, on pricing? 
And I used the entire semester to figure out how to price my product that I was actually working on trying to sell. And he agreed to mentor me and teach me. There's no exam and there's no, no paper or anything due or given. It's really up to the professor uh, how they're going to mark you and score you. And that was an entire credit. It was awesome. Um, I would, if I, if I went back now and I was going to university, I'd look at how do I hack the alumni network and say, Hey, I'm a student at, whatever university, I know you went there too. I'm trying to build my business. You have 10 minutes for a quick meeting. Like people are really tied to their, to their school and they want to give back yeah. and help. So I would hack that hardcore. Wow. I look at the, I'd look at the media, uh, any radio station or any, any school newspaper or any school social media site to try to help give exposure for my company. Um, I didn't do those things, but like going back, that's what I would do. I did the professor mm-hmm. thing. Um, I, I was able to get market research so we sold to universities, my product, we sold to universities as one of our demographic. So I was able to go and have conversations with potential customers because it was a student research project as opposed to me going in and trying to sell them something. Yeah, yeah. Right, so look at how can I, how can I like wow. if I'm here for four years and I'm, I'm getting this education, it still just might be a backup plan for me. How do I hack the experience so that I'm getting as much as I can and learning uh, and if my ultimate ambition is to be an entrepreneur, then I'm, I'm able to take that experience from university to help me as opposed to saying, well, I'm just throwing away four years of my life. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like parallel to networking, you know, that you're networking while you're in school. Yeah. Networking is actually something that, that, um, I don't do much of, but, but you could yeah. right? like definitely networking with your fellow students, networking with the alumni, networking with the professors, absolutely the, the people you know could make a big impact it's not how i've really won because i'm really introverted which maybe not you know come across for your listeners really <laughs> yeah i'm super introverted so i don't network like i don't i don't talk to people i don't um i don't introduce myself i don't talk to the person next to me on the airplane uh i'm very introverted mode i can i can bring it when i need to especially for entrepreneurs because that that's my that's my purpose uh, and so I can get fired up about that. But for the most part, I avoid every networking dinner. I don't go to any VIP events. Wow. I'd much rather have one-on-one conversations and be in, in, a, in a big group dinner. Um, so networking is definitely useful. I didn't do it myself because it doesn't, doesn't hack Evan Carmichael well enough. But for somebody who's 20, figuring out their path now, it's definitely a great option. Wow. So when I was a child, I had so many different dreams. And as I gone through life, um, they have a tendency to change based on the influence that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. So did you have a dream as a child that you changed up because of the influence, the mentor, the schooling, the outside, you know, things that are happening to you, the experiences in life that knocked you, you know, knocked you out. I'm sure you have challenges and all these stuff and all the recipe that makes that decision change. So the earliest memory I have of a dream that I wanted to be professionally was I I wanted to be a baseball player during the season of baseball because I love the Toronto Blue Jays and Mm -hmm. Kelly Gruber was my favorite baseball player third baseman for the Jays. I still have his card here in my office and he wow. signed it. Um, and then I wanted to be a police officer in the off season. So that was my plan. Baseball player for the X number of months that the season was on and then I'd be a cop. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I guess just having <laughs> heroes. Like I saw a police officer, I think boys, 
uh, often get attracted to the uniform, whether that's police or military or, or firemen or, um, mm. and then the Blue Jays were just, I don't know, for whatever reason, we, we love the Blue Jays. So uh, yes. that was, that was my ambition. I, I don't think that ever was really a, a dream, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, just uh, something that I, I didn't really take seriously, but like as a nine-year-old or 10-year-old, it's like, what are you going to do? Well, here's my plan. I think as I started taking it seriously, the banker was where my head was at. Mm. I liked the idea of making money. Um, I liked, I liked the process of making money when I, when I played uh, Monopoly or any other board game, I was always the banker. Wow. I just liked having that role. I was always curious about it. Um, I, I liked the stock market. Uh, I had, you know, lemonade stains and that kind of stuff. I just liked that process, but I didn't know about entrepreneurship as a path. So I thought I wanted to be a banker. So my high school yearbook, high school yearbook, where it says, where are you going to be in 10 years? Mine said VP at a bank. Cause that's what I thought I wanted. Uh, and then I got the potential banking job in university, but decided that I didn't, I, I had to give my shot at entrepreneurship just to see, um, so that was it. Baseball player and cop to banker to then entrepreneur. <laughs> Mine is journalism, lawyer. And then I got a kind of like the same degree as you. We're, we have a very parallel type of career as we went um, upwards in, in our adulthood. And then I became a banker. I was actually a VP in banking and nice. then insurance, own man practice. And then now I'm like, you know, the world is going in a different direction. I need to adapt and use really my skill set in a lot of the things that I'm doing now. It's hard work. (laughs) Very much of a hard work. So how did you end up in the YouTube? I never thought I'd be YouTube famous. It was never the goal to be YouTube famous. And when I, when I got my channel in 2008, Mm. uh, it wasn't really a thing, or at least if it was, it wasn't definitely for business. It was, any, anything that was taken off was like a stupid cat video or, uh, you know, somebody falling down a flight of stairs, uh, just kind of silly stuff. I started making videos for two reasons. One, I'd sold my business. I'd had some success mm-hmm. and people started writing to me and saying, Evan, I have this problem. Can you help me? Something entrepreneur related. And it was super humbling that anybody wanted my feedback or input on their, their business challenge. And I would end up spending 30, 40 minutes responding to people on email to try to help them. And that started to get, you know, you can imagine if you get a, a couple of days, it starts chewing up a big chunk of your time. And so I thought, what if I just made a video and put that on my channel so that I could help that person? It's easier for me to do. It doesn't take as much time to speak compared to write. And maybe other people will benefit from it as well. Like a dozen or a hundred people could benefit. I wasn't thinking millions of people would would benefit that and I was a big believer in modeling success and I love being a visual learner and I wish there was more visual content for me to learn from uh, books were the closest thing I guess uh, but I wish there were video and so I started putting together video sharing the stories of different famous entrepreneurs and what I could learn from them and I hope that that would inspire other entrepreneurs as well so that idea of modeling success was was pretty early um, ingrained on my YouTube channel and it was just try to help entrepreneurs. Like, I think your purpose comes from your pain. I think whatever pain that you've been through in your life, you want to try to make sure that nobody else has to suffer through it. Whenever you felt the most insignificant as a human, you now want to make sure that other people around you don't have to feel that. 
Mm. And I think people are either, I think humans are built to serve. I think if you're not happy in your life, it's because you're not serving enough. And you either want to serve the world, you know, like I do, uh, I want to hit uh, billions of people, or you want to serve the 20 closest people to you. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with either one, just if you're not happy, you're not serving enough. And so I did it to serve. That was it. I, I thought it might help some entrepreneurs. It, it, it wasn't this master plan to have a huge channel with however many 1.6 million subscribers now. It was just, uh, I, want, I want the path for entrepreneurship for other people to not be as hard as mine. Wow. Yeah, I always believe your adversities or your pains and your sufferings were gifts, right? And it's not in a nice box with a bow on it, but it's definitely a tool for you to change something, change one person's life. So I totally, totally agree with you. You're on Instagram. Yeah. And um, do you find YouTube easier than Instagram as your No. Hat? Oh my gosh, okay. no. Instagram okay. is so easy compared to YouTube. Instagram is the easiest thing of all time. If you're coming from YouTube, <laughs> And so I'm coming, I, I'm up, I'm Instagram's my latest little obsessions to my little passion project, but we're going from making two to three videos a day on YouTube to make content for Instagram is so much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, and to grow up, to, to grow a brand or to grow a business or recognition quickly, Instagram is the easiest place to do it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sustain. Uh, Cause you, you're on the, you're on the, you're on the wheel constantly. Like you get off the wheel, you're irrelevant. Where with YouTube, once you build up some traction, your videos that you posted five years ago are still getting views and momentum for you, where nobody cares about your Instagram post from two days ago, let alone five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but Instagram is so much easier. Anybody who goes from, I think it's, it, it's just the next step, jumping from Instagram to YouTube, which a lot of people are trying to do. But if you're going from YouTube to Instagram, it's easy pickings. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So Evan, you have all these icons behind you. Right. I'm sure they end up there for a reason. Um, do they end up there because they're your favorite of all time? And if they are, what are the biggest lesson you learned from every single one of them? Sure. Can everybody see, or this is also a podcast, right? So not everybody can see what's on my yeah, um, it. On the podcast, not everybody can see, but right. I'm going to, if you don't mind, post it on um, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll walk people through who can't necessarily see it. I've got these five giant canvases on my room, uh, on the wall in my office. And I've always been a big fan of, of setting up an environment that allows you to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's great because you do it once and then you walk into that environment every day and it, it shifts your perspective as a reminder for you. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got five giant canvases. Uh, the first is a big picture of Steve Jobs that's looking at me. And for all the people that I have on my wall, they teach me usually one thing. Mm -hmm. And so Steve Jobs, the lesson I want to be reminded of daily is uh, to be a visionary, to think big, to have, to have big dreams, to put the dent in the universe. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a father like Steve Jobs was. And, and I think that's one of the key lessons when you are modeling other people and taking things from them. You don't have to become them. You're just taking a little piece to help you be a better you. Become you. Yeah, just a better, the better version of you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the next anybody. And so I take pieces from different people. I can learn from them. I can learn from Steve Jobs, not about how to be a father, but how to be a visionary. Great. That's enough for me. You don't have to love Steve Jobs as a human. Um, and it's why I have on my channel, 
I'll do Donald Trump and I'll do Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. Like you can learn from all sides, I yeah. think, even without having to become that person. So the first is Steve Jobs and, and he's teaching me to be a visionary. Um, the next is a guy named E.P. Janini, who's, a, who's my favorite entrepreneur of all time. He's the founder mm-hmm. of the Bank of America. And mm-hmm. he was all about believe. He believed in people when nobody else did. He, he lent money. He was the first person to lend money to immigrants. Uh, he, he lent money to people based off of the calluses on their hands and a look in their eye. Wow. If you can imagine a banker wow. giving you a loan based off of a look in your eye. Wow. Um, he gave money to Walt Disney to finish his first movie when people said, you're crazy to launch a full wow. length. Like nobody's going to watch a full length cartoon. That's stupid. Don't do that. Um, AP Genini funded him. And wow. nobody knows this guy. And even Bank of America. I don't know him. I called up their PR department to get some stories on him when they're like who's ap janini it's like this guy's your founder you're the pr department he founded your company you don't know who he is it was yeah anyway so uh i wish there were video content on him because we we would definitely make a great top 10 um so cp janini he just taught me to believe in people like the way that so steve jobs is have an impact ap janini is through believe have an impact through believing in people because that's my one word Mm -hmm. uh the next is my parents uh, so it's me and my parents. They're in the middle on, on my wall. You know, again, I'm eight or nine and they're looking over me. And that reminder that I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael, do anything that I put my mind to. I just want to I just want to remember that. And it's, it's still something that um, I do with my son. We have a Carmichael's can do and he'll say anything just as a reminder of like who we are and what we can do. And anytime I'm if I'm dropping off from school or tucking him to bed or whenever I'm saying goodbye uh, for the night or the day. Uh, it's Carmichael's can do anything. Uh, so my parents are third. After that, I have Howard Schultz. He's the, the guy behind Starbucks. Starbucks uh-huh. And uh, why the CEO of Starbucks seems like a weird person to have on the wall. Uh, there was a video that he made that really had an impact on me where Starbucks was one of the first organizations to come out, the first major corporation in America to come out in favor of same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got questioned at a shareholders meeting where somebody, one of his shareholders stood up and said, Hey, Howard, like, what are you doing? Don't, we're not in politics. Don't worry about same-sex marriage. Just sell coffee. Like, don't, don't get into this arena, focus on selling coffee. And he came up and he said, the lens through which we see the world is through the diversity and through our people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sell your shares in Starbucks and go buy some other company, feel free to do so. And wow. like, it was awesome to see a CEO stand up for what they believe in, uh, whatever that is that you believe in, right? And so he, he believed in diversity. And so he was going to be the first company to do it and, and to stand up to his shareholders, I thought was awesome. Um, so that's why he's on my wall. Uh, and then uh, Kanye West is the last one. Of course. And Kanye was the first top 10 that I did on my channel uh, as a response to one of my buddies, a close friend who uh, attacked Kanye in a blog post. And I wanted to just show the the positive side of Kanye. So uh, that there's a specific moment. uh, There's an interview that he did on a radio station. And that's where that specific picture on my wall is from. And he's basically telling people that the time is now so the time is now to be the greatest you the time is now i don't want to sit inside a corporation for the next 30 years you got to go bet on yourself mm-hmm. and so those are the five pictures they tell a story steve jobs is to be a visionary ap Janini is to do it through believe my parents made me believe in myself 
Howard Schultz reminds me to stand up for what I believe in constantly and deal with the haters. And Kanye West reminds me that the time is now, like, don't wait, go, go, go. And so um, they all mean something to me personally. Now, you know, somebody coming into this office might be like, this, what is this? Who are these people? Uh, it doesn't have as, uh, you know, you definitely don't want a picture of my parents on your wall, but it means something to me when I walk in. And that's the environment of believe. That's my one word. Uh, so that every day when I come in here, it reminds me of who I am and what I want to be. Wow. Those are profound. Um, one lesson, every single one of them have given you. And I'm sure your parents are in the middle because of, of way more reasons why they are there, not just the belief, you know, believing in you and that instilling in you that you can do whatever you want. Yeah, my parents, they're in the middle because they taught me how to be human. They taught me how to be a person. They didn't, everybody else taught me about business somehow and all the people that I profiled, there's usually a business lesson somehow. My greatest mentors and heroes are my parents. They didn't teach me that much about business, entrepreneurship stuff, but just how, how to be a human being. Um, and so that's why they're in the middle. Yeah. I talk a lot about humanizing your business. Okay. Um, and uh, it sounds like you really believe in something similar and leading with just being human and kindness. And, you know, for, for someone like me, who's still a small time micro someone online and for someone like you to come on and give me time, I think that's superhuman, right? Yeah, I, I think, um, so I just came back from LA. I did a, I did a, keynote at a presentation there and I spent the entire four days of the trip in the lobby of the venue where they were hosting the event and basically from 7 30 in the morning to 2 30 in the morning I was just in the lobby helping entrepreneurs and missed most of the sessions except my own and, and Gary V's and one other uh, and that's not healthy or sustainable uh, I was on, you know, four and a half hours sleep every night, but basically spent the entire day and, and skipped all the fancy parties and skipped all the VIP stuff. One, because I'm an introvert and I don't like that stuff anyway, but right. I wanted to be there. I wanted to help. And, and the number one comment that I got back was, it's so great that like, you're the only one who has a million plus on their channel and you're here just talking to us the whole time. And I don't know when like humbleness lost its coolness. Um, and so my, at the back of my head, I'm thinking, I want to come back next year and have 10 million subscribers and be the biggest of everybody and just do the whole thing again. Like just sit in the lobby, helping people one at a time. Like that's, that's my life's work until I die. Uh, and if I can get so big that everybody knows me and then just keep doing the same thing, hopefully that gives permission to other people to say, uh, wow, like I want to, I want to do that too. Yeah. I think also as we look up to people like you, we look up to people like Lewis House, we look at to people like Gary Vee and all these other thought leaders. I think we, we go future, right? We, we think of like this big massive thing when we forget about, you know, the human touch is super important. And the minute that you lose touch with that and, you know, humbleness, ground, being grounded, I think that, um, it's hard for people to relate to you. Do you believe that? Yeah, I think if you want, I think everybody's talking about you have to be authentic. You got to be authentic. You gotta, okay, mm -hmm. but how do you do that? Like, how do you be authentic? Well, 
nobody wants to learn from the perfect person. Mm. So, so the thing that you are most afraid of sharing is the thing that will actually connect people to you. So uh, as an example, when I was in LA, uh, I got invited to all the VIP stuff because I was a speaker and like, I don't, I'm not feeling it. Um, I'm just going to walk the subway and get a sandwich and walk back wow. while they're going to like the fancy dinners. And even, even now, like for events, when people want to do fan meetups and they want to do it at some fancy restaurants, like how about we just do it at a Starbucks or something so that everybody can come, you know, you don't wow. have to buy anything. You just show up and ask for a water and because not everybody can afford even a $5 drink. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, I got, I went to Subway and got my sandwich and walked back and then I filmed it on my Instagram and it'll be I on my YouTube too. Yeah. So it's like, Hey guys, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really introverted right now. I'm not going to go to the VIP parties. I'm just going to, walk by myself and come back and maybe meet some entrepreneurs mm. for one-on-ones in the lobby. And um, that's okay. Like if you're introverted, embrace it. You don't have to go to the parties. It's not that I'm better than anybody else. I'm just, I'm just being me. Mm-hmm. And that got like the most comments of all my posts, wow. right? So like the thing that you're afraid of sharing is the only thing that will connect people to you where if you're, you're like, if, if I know you're on a lot of moms and mompreneurs, um, if you're, if, if somebody listening wants to be the badass mompreneur, awesome. But if you're coming off as being perfect all the time, then people won't listen to you because like, well, you don't understand me because you're mm. too perfect. Cause you had it all figured out. It's like, um, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, yep. uh, giant NBA basketball player. If he had a class on teaching people how to dunk, it, it, nobody would take it because, he doesn't have to do anything to dunk. Mm. He's already, like he raises his hand and he can dunk. Like, there's, no, there's no lesson there because he's a freak of nature. And so you don't want people to think you're a freak of nature, right? I think a lot of people try to come off as having it all figured out. But if you share how you're still struggling, if you share how here's what I'm still afraid of, like if you came on, say you were nervous to do podcast before and you came on each time, I'm really nervous. You're like, I'm still nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm 20 episodes in and I'm still nervous before I get on a podcast. But that's okay because I need to fight through this because I want to have a big impact like yeah. that. That's awesome. That that's what then brings people closer to you. So whatever the thing is that you're afraid of sharing, as long as it doesn't put anybody down, you know, like right. if you're abused by your mom or something, okay, maybe you don't want to <laughs> share that, you know, in public cause it, it harms other people, but there's still a way there's still ways, there's still ways to share things without um, hurting other people around you. And that's the thing that's going to ultimately uh, bring people to you to want to know you wow love it well my favorite one um now you are one of my favorite ones but before we really got to know each other and i got to know you is the rock uh dwayne johnson because he's very he would stop he goes from he drives his ford truck and he goes to target to buy stuff and his fans are standing on the streets waving at him and he would stop and take selfies with them you know like like, I love that. That's like something that, okay, cool person. I mean, he has over a hundred million following on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but it's just, so it's, it's still like, you could still do that. Yeah. You could do it in your own way on a smaller way. Yeah. Um, awesome. Even now, like on my, what, one of the reasons why I love Instagram so much, why I got really obsessed with Instagram is the ability to make the connection with people. So DMs, you could do video DMs. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll, I'll do a lot of video DMs. Like anybody who's DM me and I've sent back, there's always at least one video in the DM. Because uh, I like that people can see me. Where YouTube, you can't do a video, even though they're a video platform, you can't do a video DM. Yeah. Um, when you're going way. live uh, on YouTube, you can't, it's not easy to bring people in. Where with Instagram, you could bring people in picture in picture to help them. And so I love, I love the personal connection. And so yeah. even people, even people who are following you, like there's people who follow you where if you took 10 minutes a day to just DM some of your followers to say, Hey, you know, it's Kareen. Uh, we haven't met. Uh, I see you follow me. I just want to say, thank you. It means a lot to me. Wow. You know, like that would make their day. Like nobody sends video DMS. Wow. Uh, and so it's great to see the rock doing it and, and our heroes doing it. Uh, and you know, whatever you want more of in the world, just start creating it. Wow. That's so cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to step into you as, as a father and okay. a, as a husband, because I okay. see your wife on your story all the time. She's oh yeah, okay. she's yeah. awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your, I should say the, the thing that you learned from your mom, okay. which is Carmichael's can do what, you know, can do anything, anything. Can become yep. whoever you want to become. Is that something um, you mentioned earlier that you talk, you say that to your son before bed or whenever you say goodbye? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that your mother had or your father had taught you above and beyond that that you really teach your son? Wow, probably lots. And I think most of it's just subconscious. I think, um, I think as a verbal message, that's probably the, the biggest one. I think, I think things like doing the right thing um, mm -hmm. and being an example and, and um, always showing what you're doing, that they're going to they're gonna model more your actions than, than yes. your words. Mm -hmm. And so trying to always show up. Um, I think adding responsibility in I definitely bring that lesson, at least try to with my son. So as an example, you know, when my son was dealing with being bullied in, in school, like most kids are at some point, I gave him some strategies for how to deal with being bullied, but then also said, and if you see someone else being bullied, who's younger than you, then you have to go and help. Mm -hmm. And that may mean you, you break them up if they're fighting, or it just may mean the person who got bullied and is sitting there crying, like you go and you give them a hug but, but you have to go help. You know, it's like, it's my mom in my ear, you know, like you, you, there's always a greater responsibility beyond just yourself. Um, so, so not specific words, but that, that mentality, that mindset. Um, I think that one of the best things that my parents gave us was yes, the belief that we could do anything, but also not forcing us to live their life. I think education was maybe the only thing that was forced on us. And I didn't really, like, I liked it. I didn't really care. It wasn't a strong negative for me. Um, but the three kids, all my, myself, and my two sisters, we all are doing very different things mm. and very different from what my parents did. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes that parents make is they try to make their kids do what they did. Mm -hmm. And it's all out of love, of course, but uh, I hope that whatever Hayden is interested in, I encourage that um, and, and try to like, it's easy for me to try to force entrepreneurship on him, but he's into drawing. So when we're together, we're like, we're drawing Spider-Man and we're drawing noses and, you know, 
and I suck at drawing. And I don't really <laughs> like drawing, but but it's like it's our time together. together. I want to try to show what he's interested in. I want to take an interest in. Um, so he's he's interested in the different Fortnite dances that they do. So uh, <laughs> he's teaching Fortnite. me Fortnite dances, right? Not even playing the game, just the dances. Uh, so awesome. So teach me those dances. Like I want to learn. So and my parents would always when I was into baseball cards every weekend they would drive me three hours out of the city to a, a baseball card show where I'd be you know 12 years old negotiating with 40 and 50 year olds over 10 cents for a difference on the card um, and so they always did the things that we were interested in and try to encourage our our interests mm. and, and they took an active role in it and so I hope that uh, I hope that that continues I think, I think if I had to, like, if I think about lessons for parents beyond that, I think the thing that uh, parents, and even including my own, don't do enough of is showing how hard it is to be a parent. Oh uh, my gosh. Yes. Because we don't know what we're doing. You know, like you're figuring it out as you go, especially with your first. There's your first no school kid. for it. But the thing is, I think, I think that actually sets up your kids for failure uh, or at least a really rude awakening. Because when they start becoming parents, they'll look at you and they say, like, I don't get it. Like, mom had it all figured out. How come she was so awesome and never struggled? And, and, and I suck because I don't know how to deal with these things. Mm. Well, no, really, like, mom didn't have it all figured out. She just didn't show you that she didn't have it all figured out. And so I think exposing um, is something I'm working through now. Like, how do I expose the difficulties that I have in, in running the business and being a father and being a husband? Um, in, in living, mm -hmm. how do I expose it to him in a way that uh, he can learn from and doesn't get too, you know, sad or depressed about, but shows that I'm not perfect and that he doesn't have to be either. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I had just, a, uh, I have two boys, they're nine and 12 and my 12 year old is starting to really be even just, you know, how we try to be engaged with them. Mm -hmm. He's starting to engage back to me okay. where he would ask me how my day was or before he steps out of the car when I drop him off at school he asks what's going on with my day-to-day -day, you know and so today my husband and I signed a refinancing our home and yeah so what does that mean what's refinancing mean I mean we went through the whole gamut of it but the thing that he asked me earlier was that um because of that question, it led us to the very beginning stage of me becoming a business owner. Okay. How hard it was. And sometimes I would cry because there's more month at the end of the money, you know, right. type yeah. thing. And so it was really, we're talking about saving when they get Christmas money, they need to save half of it and they can blow the other half. Just kind of like creating that habits in their mind while they're young mm -hmm. and teaching them that it's, hey, the real world is not it's not all unicorns and rainbows and you need to understand now while you're young so you can create those habits to avoid the mistakes that we made you know because I think like you said we just figure out as we go even as an, a young adult without being a parent sure we figure out as we go so yeah I think I think just I think it's easy for us to think that our parents were perfect and had it all figured out when now we know that they didn't and I think that creates a complex for a lot of kids who then feel when they become parents that they don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. and they feel less than because their parents never showed that side that, that 
they didn't have it all figured out. So we've been starting the podcast, like, hey, mommy's starting a podcast. Um, I'm really nervous about it. Like, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe nobody listens. I'm, I'm really scared to do it. Uh, I'm super nervous. I'm shaking. But, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I have to do it because when you're, when you're nervous, you have to go off and do that thing. Yeah. So it's not always like, I think that actually is the super mom, the one who's, a, who's afraid of something and, and shares the fear, but then actually then and goes and does it anyway, yeah. as opposed to being the perfect, impenetrable, always wins person. Yeah, agreed, 100%. So what is the biggest lesson you learned from your son, Hayden? Because they do teach uh, us a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, what's the biggest lesson I learned from Hayden? I would probably just go with reminding myself of my own creativity. Uh, he's, he's super creative and, and he definitely gets that from my side and um, he expresses it more through art. Mm. Uh, well, I'll do it more through kind of strategy and thinking. Uh, and so it's, it's just the, the different ways that he sees the world is cool. The different perspective is cool. And so it forces when he sees something that I didn't see or when we're driving and he looks at a, you know, graffiti on the, on the side and you know, somebody drew a Spider-Man or something. And like, I just, I wouldn't have saw it. Like just, I just go off my day and I'm focused on something else. And so he sees it. And so I think that extra, it's always great seeing the world through uh, a kid's eyes and uh, just a reminder to be creative, I think is helpful. Yeah. You're very passionate about entrepreneurs and helping, helping entrepreneurs, you know, from startups to, you know, the other thought leaders that you collaborate with. Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel that when you became a father that your passion became even greater and more potent and you felt that you have more responsibility as now becoming a father or did it kind of just stay the same because you keep it separate? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've thought much about that, to be honest. Uh, I think, I don't know that, that, that having a son made my passion to help entrepreneurs greater. Mm -hmm. I think what it does, at least what it did for me is, and certainly with Nina too, my wife, yeah. when, you, when you are happy at home, you bring more of yourself to your business. Mm -hmm. And sure. so when, when I'm spending great time with Hayden or, or with Nina and I'm not focused on my company, but then I feel great about my life, I become a better entrepreneur and I can bring more of that energy to what I'm doing. Um, and so I think that's probably the greatest gift that if, if I'm sitting there playing with him and just have an amazing time, then he goes to sleep. And I need to go do some work. I'm feeling better about the work yes. that I'm doing. Yes. Uh, and I've definitely had to compartmentalize things in that when I'm playing with him, I'm not thinking about work. Mm, that's tough. Cause then, cause then you're not playing with him. Well, it's also partly why like, I don't have a cell phone number. Like you can't reach me. Wow. Uh, that was a conversation with Lewis. He's like, what do you mean? Like, what's your number? <laughs> Let me text you. Like, I don't have one, man. He's like, come on. What's your number? He's like, no, I'm not trying to be rude. Lewis. Like <laughs> I don't have a cell phone number, dude. Uh, but you have a cell phone. I have a phone, but, but, and I have data so I can post oh, stuff, but I don't, uh -huh. but you can't, you can't, like, you can't reach me. There's no number. You can't, you know, I don't even have a number here in my office. Like, you can't call me. 
Um, so that, so that when I'm with you, I'm with you right now. Like I'm not, notifications aren't coming in and I'm being distracted by somebody's text. And at the beginning, when I was dating my wife, she didn't like that because uh, she couldn't reach me either. <laughs> but, but then when I'm with her, I'm with her. I'm not, right. I'm not being bothered by anything else. And so I try as much as possible to create a, a no crisis business. Wow. So that, uh, you know, if, if you're a client, if you're a high paying client of mine, but you need constant handholding through fires, then I don't want to work with you. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so I try to create the no crisis business and, and then where, yeah. when I'm with, when I'm with whoever on whatever I'm with them and not focus on anything else. Wow. So you talk about having 24 people in your team, which is massive. Yeah. You have a massive business now. When you started, was it just a one man show and you just started to just trying to figure it out and then you hire a team of one person and then you grew to two and how did, like, how did you get here at 24? So, so I, I had a, I had a web business before I moved to YouTube doing mm -hmm. the same stuff, sharing content of famous entrepreneurs and my own thoughts and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and so I've carried some of my team over from that, but, but getting started was me doing everything. And even now I love doing everything. Like I just started a new IG show, Instagram show, and, and I do everything. I, I, it's me. Wow. It's just me. It's me and, and, uh, and my cell phone. And wow. I love that. I love starting now if it grows into something sometimes my my videographer danny comes along to film for the youtube channel and if it becomes it might be my next big thing and i'll have a team of 10 people with me helping or it may fizzle out and go nowhere right. um, i love starting everything myself i like getting my hands dirty and being in the process and then i start hiring people as i start getting results so i pour the money i make back i don't like spending money till i'm making money but as soon mm -hmm. as i start making money i pour into my growth so the very first wow. person I hired for this was for a uh, half an hour, no, an hour or half an hour a day, something like that. That's it. Like an hour a day saved me an hour and a half a day because he was better at that thing than I was. Wow. And you don't have to go and hire somebody full time. I think it's actually a mistake to out of the gate hire somebody full time because you also don't know how to be a manager well. Yeah. You don't know how to hire the first person well and you don't know how to lead them well. And it's different when you're in a corporation versus being an entrepreneur and your own boss. Um, and so I think it's good to hire somebody part-time just to, to learn how to hire properly and to work with somebody properly, build your muscles, build those skills and then transition. So you could start that earlier. Like yeah. you could hire somebody for 15 bucks an hour and they work for you an hour a day, you know, a couple wow. hours a week. It doesn't have to cost you a ton of money, but if they can, if they can free up some of your time to then go do things that you like more, I think that's the game. Um, so it's easy to see. It's funny, 24, because if you asked me how many people I had, I would have said like nine. Um, but we put a Facebook group together of everybody who works for me. It's like, holy cow, we've got 24 people on the team. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> how do you people... communicate with them other than email, this Facebook group? Uh, so I put together a Facebook group to make people feel connected to each other. So some of my team is local and some of my team is, is around the world, depending on what we need them to do. Obviously like the filming guys, they have to be here. Yeah. Can't hire oh, a filmer, yeah. somebody in Philadelphia to film because they have to be here. Um, there's some people that I connect very frequently on because they're working on projects uh -huh. and others that are, that are, 
I don't spend as much time with. And I'm starting to feel like I'm trying to figure out where's my limit for where I can still keep contact with everybody. Yeah. Um, so we have our Facebook group and Nina is now the, our chief heart officer. And uh, she loves following people and keeping up to date. Her one word is care. So she's wow. following everybody and recognizes their birthdays and, and wow. um, any, anything, if they post something on their Facebook that they're proud of, they won an award or they're learning English or like, or they're, you know, I don't know, they're wow. started salsa dancing. Like she'll post it to the group so that we all can celebrate. Um, I connect with everybody at least once a quarter on a, on a Skype call or hangout or whatever tech yeah. doesn't matter. Something video once a quarter at, at the minimum. Some people I'm with every week because of the projects we're working on. But um, I think the human connection is important. I yes. think as a leader, I think you have to want the people around you to win more than you want them to win with you. Yes. And so you have to understand what their ambitions are and then try to help them get there. Wow. So my videographer, Danny, his ultimate goal is to have a Netflix special. He wants to be directing his own Netflix movies. Wow. Awesome. So th that means if you, if that's his ultimate goal, he has to leave me to go likely and go do that. Awesome. Like I want to, I want to push him to do that. I want to help him do that. I want, I want to co-create with him and see how can you use, I want my videos to be the ones that get you your Netflix special. Like how do we make that happen? Wow. Uh, and so I think hacking. This is another hacking of yours. <laughs> yeah, it's hacking. You're on the and, other side. Yeah, well, I, and and I think I'll get I'll get you know selfishly I'll get I'll get better work too. We're like we're co-creating. I don't know enough about directing videos. You know, I don't know enough about camera and gear. I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. So I'd rather make something together. Now, if you want to make a, a a baking series or something, okay, I'm not like go find a, a chef because I'm not I'm not that guy, mm. but within the world of what I do, I'm open. You know, you want me to stand here and deliver a point? You want me to try some new experience? Like I'm open to it. Let's co-create. And it. I think uh, I see the world as you're running parallel paths with people for a certain amount of time. So on this episode, we're running a parallel path. We're both here, we're both present. We're, we're sharing uh, a great conversation that it may end today and I never see you again, or, or we create like the greatest company of all time, you know, or something in between. Mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, if you want to be a leader, I think where people make a mistake is they see the person that they're hiring, especially mm -hmm. if they don't see them face to face as mm -hmm. just something they're outsourcing and treat it like a monkey or treat it like a robot. Yeah. Or like, no, these are, these are humans. Uh, you know, they have, feelings and goals and ambitions and drive and desires. And your, your best work is actually, as you build a team, my team contributes way more to my business than I do uh -huh. collectively as an individual, I contribute the most, but collectively they contribute way more than I do. And so the more I invest in them to help them get better at what they do, the more it builds my company. Yes. Uh, so Mondays I spend the entire day mentoring my team. Well, it's my whole day is, is talking to, the people on my team and helping them get better and stronger. Um, but it starts with, it starts with one, it starts with a quarter of a person. Yes. Right. Like it's easy to say, wow, 24 people, you know, how am I ever going to get there? Well, don't worry about that yet. Mm -hmm. Just start with half of a person, you know, that bookkeeping that you hate doing, like get somebody to do that for you, <laughs> you know, or that, that editing that you hate doing, get somebody to help you with that or that, that, you know, Instagram picture editing that you don't want to learn Photoshop on. Great. Get somebody to help you with that. Yes. 
and then move from an hour a day to two hours a day to five hours a day, you know, to four days a week. And that's it. And, and then you have 24 people. Like that's legit how it works. I wow. thought I had nine and I'm feeling like, I feel like we have more. And then we put them in a Facebook group. It's like 24 people. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on all your success. And I noticed that your wife is Asian. Yeah. She's super awesome. Super okay. She um, probably has a different style parenting as you, because I know with me, I grew up in the Philippines and I came to the U.S. I don't know, 18, 19 years ago when I was 20. So I was already an adult when I came heavy, heavy accent, like your mother, I have worked on my accent for a very long time. It's still there, very subtle, but still there. Um, is she like one of those Asian moms that are tiger moms? <laughs> uh, so she definitely comes from a very different background. Um, I think, you know, I'm very, I'm very strict on uh, very few things where she'll be strict on a lot more things that I don't mm -hmm. think are as important. Um, and that's just a creative side of things popping out. Um, the, the things that we fight the most over is, is she's very uh, clean and I'm very tidy. So she'll mop the floor like 18 times to get it like <laughs> perfectly clean, but there'll be a mess around the house and she won't care. As long wow. as it's clean, there could be clutter everywhere. Oh, and for wow. me, I hate clutter. I need a I need a tidy desk, but as long as like I can't see anything, dirt wise, then I'm good. But for wow. her, like she'll know that there's dirt there, like buried, and so like she has to wipe it down clean. And so uh, those are that's like the that's probably the biggest we've we've learned to like manage that but that, that's probably the biggest yeah that's the, that's the biggest thing that we'll we'll uh get in discussions that's over. a good combination though because you know like my husband's like her very clean and when something doesn't quite hang right like a frame i'd fix them yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice tidy's better tidy's better <laughs> so that must be an entrepreneurial thing what is the lesson that you learn from your wife because we all learn from each other it's that one lesson just my like wife is very strong. My wife is very strong. She, 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 she shows up, she deals with pain. Um, mm -hmm. She had a much more painful upbringing than I did. Uh, she doesn't complain. Like, like she was on the couch all last night cause she, she threw her back out and I had to get the little electrodes things and, yeah. and help her and heat packs and all that. And then, and then she shows like, she goes to work tomorrow uh or today she's at work right where and she works from nine to five you know and she has sick days she never takes a sick day uh she always shows up and she can deal with she can deal with pain better than i can deal with pain mm -hmm. um we did the wim hof cold bath thing mm. you sit in the ice water and like she was all the way to the neck and i'm like stopping at, at my chest i was freezing um so yeah that that was what attracted me to her in the first place is that she she dealt with a lot of pain and suffering mm -hmm. and and she doesn't complain like she yes. just motors through gets stuff done always takes responsibility will fix it and doesn't complain and so that she has the asian work ethic no sick days right? yeah Even she's got the work ethic, ethic. yeah although yeah. I, like i i don't know i think i feel i don't know it's not her business so that's uh -huh. i work harder than her but she can handle she can handle more physical pain that's awesome. 
Yeah. So my kids Google me once in a while. Okay. Um, if your kids or your son Hayden were to yeah. listen to this, what would be that one message you wanna you want him to hear? So I mean, I go into every interview by default, assuming my grandkids are gonna listen to it. Awesome. I think that's how you create great work every day. Whatever your medium is, uh, if you started your day saying, I want to create something that my grandkids are going to see, see, listen, mm -hmm. whatever. You're a painter, you're an entrepreneur, you're making a shoe. Like, I want my grandkids to see this shoe. Mm -hmm. If that was your approach going into everything that you made, your quality would just skyrocket. Like, if mm -hmm. you may not like make that. it. Like, maybe this is the worst interview I've ever done. Like, I don't know. But but it's my goal going in. And so if that's always your goal for every piece of content that you make. Eventually you're going to win. And, and like wow. where you'll be one year from now will be in a totally different place. So whether it's Hayden, I default to grandkids, but, but Hayden too, my son, um, I assume they already are listening. Like wow. I, I hope I made them proud and I hope every, every point that I said uh, rings true. Wow. That's awesome. Well, um, I know we have, no more time and i sincerely appreciate you pouring your heart heart out and you know singing your truth on my podcast and i thank you for staying grounded humble and you know touching lives and making an impact even the ones that are not quite up there yet you're reaching down and really you know pulling them up with you so that is like a wonderful character of someone like you who's already made it I'm sure you would, you don't think you have, but for a lot of us, you're a rock star. So thank you so much for continuing to show up the way you do. I love it. What, what episode numbers is for you? It's going to be, so the podcast is all women. And then I, I finish it off with a man of impact. Okay. So this is going to be 30, wait, there's 13, 39. 39 okay. per season. So I'm finishing uh -huh. off the season. Okay. Soon. Second season. You're on third season finale. Okay, nice. Cool. Well, it, yeah. uh, first off, I think, I think to support women, I think you need more men who are advocating for women because it's, it's both sides of the equation. Absolutely. Uh, we need to get the men involved to, to give women opportunities and, and believe in them too. And, and raise daughters who believe in themselves. Um, but, this is 39. Uh, if you'll have me back, I'd like to be guest 139. Okay. See how far you've come. If we, if we schedule oh, that. Oh, yes. Have me back. Yes, okay. for sure. Okay. That's awesome. I love how you look, you look beyond. You really follow your um, have a vision with Steve Jobs. So, so when you get to like 130-ish, email, email my assistant and we'll, we'll figure out a time how to get yeah. on for, for 139. Sandra. <laughs> I feel like I know Sandra already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Evan. I appreciate cool. your time. Have an Thanks. awesome day. Thanks, Corinne. You too. Bye-bye. All right, sisters. Thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. 
Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.